<laughs> okay. All right, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all here. Merry Christmas. And if you're joining us via live stream, we're glad to have you with us. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, today, uh, this morning, uh, we are celebrating the birth of Christ. Uh, we want to set our minds on that and rejoice and celebrate together as God's family for what the Lord has done for us in sending His Son into the world uh, to save His people from their sins. And so we want to rejoice in that this morning. And before we uh, move on with our service, let me just give you just a few announcements and uh, reminders. Uh, first is that uh, we are uh, taking uh, donations for the International Mission Board uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, so there are these envelopes that you can place uh, any donations that you'd like to give, and that we can, uh, you can place those in the offering box that's in the back. You can also do that via online as well. This is uh, money that goes to the mission field, directly to the mission field, to support missionaries across the globe who are uh, proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Also, uh, with uh, the, uh, our first snowfall of the season, I wanted to make sure I communicate to you that uh, as we... Uh, of course, anticipate more snow in the near future, uh, that uh, we will communicate to, to the church uh, via different ways to let you know uh, if the weather's bad enough, whether or not we will have service. And so um, some of the ways that we will do that is by sending an email uh, to the church, uh, you know, to the church-wide. And so uh, be on the lookout for an email that will tell you whether or not a service uh, might be closed due to uh, terrible weather. Another way is uh, it'll be posted on the church website. Uh, and these things we will try to communicate in a timely manner. Another way is that we'll post something on Slack. If you're familiar with Slack and you're a part of that, we'll make sure to announce it there as well. And also, if you, are, if you don't have access to those different modes of communication or Internet, um, please be sure to, uh, to, to call someone and to ask whether it's uh, one of the deacons. Uh, you can call the church office uh, as well and just leave a message. And I, I get those messages, and if you are wondering... I'll make sure to call you back and let you know if, uh, if we are canceling services. Uh, so just, just for you to be aware that we will try to communicate with you in a timely manner if service should be canceled because of uh, terrible weather. Also, with the, uh, the season upon us and the winter season, and uh, this probably goes without saying, but I want to make sure to communicate that uh, if, anyone, if you, anyone at all is feeling uh, sick or waking up on Sunday morning and coming down with something, um, it is advisable just to, to stay home, uh, to stream the service via online. I know it's not preferable, but uh, it is advisable just for uh, everyone else's protection. We do have also a policy with the nursery that if a child uh, comes up with a fever, uh, that they at least uh, be 24 hours without a fever before coming uh, and being a part of the nursery. It's just a way to protect other children from getting sick and also uh, nursery workers and anyone else in the church as well. Um, also, I just want to quickly remind you that this, uh, that this uh, Friday will be our Christmas Eve service here at the church at 6.30 p.m. Uh, that's normally a, a much shorter service. We'll have us uh, sing a few songs, uh, Advent reading, and also a short sermon, and that'll be followed by uh, some uh, light refreshments down in the fellowship hall as well. So if you are uh, around for that, we would love to have you here to celebrate with us the birth of Christ. And also, uh, the 26th will be our regular service as well. I know that some of you will probably be traveling during that time. That's okay. Uh, enjoy yourselves. But if you are around, if you are in town, we'd love to have you here as well uh, as we come together to worship the Lord on that Sunday morning. And so, for the past few weeks, uh, we normally introduce our service uh, with a, an Advent reading and prayer. This will help us to just orient our minds on the true celebration of Christ, uh, the true celebration of Christmas, and that is that Christ was born into the world. 
And so to help us with that this morning and do our Advent, uh, I'm going to invite uh, Jeff and Terry Remmers, uh, who will help us and transition us to that. And then after they conclude with a short prayer, then we will go into some songs uh, to celebrate the birth of Christ together this morning. I'm going to be reading from uh, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to go from 22 to 35. The key verses are 34 and 35. Uh, and when the time came for, the, for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what, what was said about him. Here are the verses. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the full, for the fall, and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. One of the themes of the Advent season is the theme of peace. Yet, what does the passage of Luke have to do with peace? In fact, the passage seems to show the coming of Christ is surrounded by great opposition. When you read the entire narrative of the birth of Christ, it is written in the scriptures. You read that the birth of Christ was filled with great adoration and praise. It was also marked with great violence, hatred, mainly through Herod. What does this passage have to do with peace? As you continue to read the Gospels, you read the profound hatred for Christ. There was also controversy surrounding his identity. Even the religious leaders, men who were supposed to be devout God-fearers, wanted to kill Jesus, and ultimately they succeeded. Out of anger and jealousy, Christ was crucified through a wooden cross and died which is what Simeon had foretold to Mary, Jesus' mother, when he had told her that a sword would pierce her own soul. Again, we ask, what does the passage of Luke have to do with the Advent theme of peace? It has everything to do with it. The birth of Christ was surrounded by great violence. He even suffered a violent death at the hands of men. Yet Jesus came into the world not to bring worldly peace, but to establish a peace between God and men. He was appointed for the falling and rising of many, through the preaching of the gospel, through the healing of the sick, and through the forgiveness of sinners. He was appointed to be a sign that is opposed, and that opposition was because he raised the dead back to life, gave sight to the blind, and called all men to believe in him for their salvation. Jesus was a man of peace, yet hated by the world for proclaiming a message of peace. The message that he declared to the world is that their most desperate need is a need for peace with God, that is only given through faith in Jesus as the Son of God who came, lived, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. This season, as you celebrate with friends and families, remember the peace of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ, 
who was given unto us. While we still long for peace in the world, remember that the most impossible peace, that is a vertical peace with God, has been achieved through Christ. And let us look forward to the day when he will bring his kingdom on earth and establish eternal horizontal peace. closing prayer here. Lord God, creator of all, we worship you. You are worthy of all praise. Lord, you are all-powerful and all-knowing, our creator, sustainer, redeemer. Lord, we praise you for who you are and who you continue to be in our lives. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us and showed us that love by sending your son to leave your side in heaven and walk this earth as a man. You gave him as a sacrifice for our sins, even when we are not worthy. There's no God like you, Lord. We worship you and give you praise. We thank you, Father, for giving us your bride, the church, to come together and worship you and live in fellowship together. I thank you for all of your blessings you shower in your church. I thank you for my wife, Terry, and the family you've given us. I thank you for the news of new children on the way, and we pray for your blessings on the babies in the womb and their mothers carrying them. Lord God, I ask for your blessings on your people. I pray that your Holy Spirit provides comfort for those in pain. I ask for peace that passes understanding for those who seek you. God, I ask for you to encourage those who need encouragement at this time. I pray that you provide healing for those who are sick. And Lord, during this Christmas, this Christmas season, we'll all be seeing and visiting with family and friends. I ask that you empower your people to share the hope that they have within themselves that comes from you and your Holy Spirit. I pray these things in the mighty, powerful, beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Let's stand and worship this morning. The Word of God says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing and know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Let's sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, nature sing. Joy to the earth. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make 
his blessings flow far as the curse is found far as the curse is found far as far as the curse is found he rules he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love Mark the herald Mark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king peace on earth and mercy mild god and sinners reconciled joyful all ye nations arise to join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. Christ, Christ the highest is heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Made in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Lord, we worship you. Hail. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Shall sing glory to the newborn King. Amen. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shine. Long lay the world. 
till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn Praise His holy name. 
Christ. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim his power and glory evermore proclaim fall fall on your knees you this morning and asking you, Father, to to lead us into more worship, into your word now, Lord. Let us not forget, Lord, why we are here. Let us not forget, Father, uh, during these weeks of celebrating Advent, Lord, let us not forget that gift that you have given us, Jesus. And it is today why we celebrate And while we sing, O Holy Night, or Joy to the World, may you be glorified in our time together today, Lord. May you be magnified. As you listen, in Jesus' name, we praise you, Father. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me read to us from Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. Then we'll pray. But as he, as Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen. Let's go to the Lord and let's pray.
Lord, what a, what a joy it is to, to sing of the birth of Christ. What great news of joy, what great news of celebration. Lord, how can we express our deep affection for Christ? Lord, everything that we can say and do to express our gratitude and our joy for what you have done for us just pales in comparison to the magnitude of what happened on that seemingly obscure night when the Savior of the world was born. And yet we want to come before you this morning to to worship you, to thank you, to honor you for what you have done. To think that the Son of God would come into the world born just like we are born into this world, coming into this world that we live in. When He is the one who, who created the world, when He is the one who gave us life and breath, That he would come and be born of a virgin, born in a humble manger, in order to save us from our sins. Lord, we desire to bless your holy name, to give you thanks. And Lord, as we set our minds on Advent, and as we set our minds to celebrating the holiday season, Lord, forgive us for the moments when we forget the birth of Christ when this occasion, when this miracle is just so far from our minds, Lord, as we think about the busyness of the holidays, as we think about the celebrations and the gifts and the planning and the giving of gifts, Lord, all things are good and wonderful. But sometimes we allow those things to shadow the birth of Christ forgetting that it is Christ who is the greatest gift of the world and the greatest gift that we have received through faith. Lord, forgive us also for the times where we can become selfish and we might see others as an inconvenience, perhaps even our friends and family members. When it is this holiday season, when it's the Advent season that reminds us of the incredible gift that you have given to us out of love and knowing that you would go to such great lengths to give us such a precious gift, how then can we not think more about others? Lord Jesus, help us to fix our eyes on you. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. We do not need to go into a temple to be in the presence of God. We do not need a human person to be an intermediary between us and God, Lord. But you, Jesus, are God with us. You have come to dwell with man. As the old hymn says that we have just sang, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And that you would do more than that, that you would even abide with each and every one of us through your Holy Spirit. 
all these things you are to us through your coming down into the world to give us these precious gifts to die for the sins of your people. Lord, this season reminds us of why you came and what made Advent necessary, namely our sins and the judgment that our sins deserved. As we celebrate, by your Holy Spirit, please keep these precious truths and realities firmly fixed in our minds and in our hearts. Lord, even when we might forget or lose sight of the true reason for our celebration, Lord, graciously remind us We thank you for giving us this day, this morning, to celebrate and to rejoice. May we continue in this heart of celebration throughout the rest of our time together this morning, throughout the rest of our week, and even into the new year. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Man, if you would, please turn to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 2, and we'll read verse 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 14. As you're turning there, let me uh, just sort of uh, let you know sort of of what's, what's coming up. So as you know, we have the Christmas Eve service on Friday, continuing to focus on the birth of Jesus Christ and what that means for us. Then that next Sunday, the 26th, will be sort of a, uh, a sermon that, sort of it, that comprises some of the, uh, the things that we've covered this year, some of the books, so like Philippians we've covered this year. We've covered uh, a lot of the Psalms over the summer. We've covered the book of Jonah. And so, sort of uh, focusing on some precious truths from each of those different books. And then, the first sermon of the new year will really be focused on some lessons from the life of Charles Spurgeon. And then after that, we'll then pick up a new book to work through. So if you're there in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, let me read that for us. It says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Father, you are the most high God. What is man that you should be mindful of him? What is the son of man that you should care for him? Lord, who are we that you should take notice of us? And even draw your attention to us this morning in our meager efforts to worship you and to celebrate the birth of Christ. Lord, we pray that you would receive these efforts, Lord, that they would be honoring to you and glorifying to you. We pray that you would continue to honor and glorify yourself through the rest of our time this morning, especially as we look to your word and what it teaches us concerning the birth of Christ. And so help us to set our minds on the Lord and help us to receive what you have predestined for us to receive this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
in March of 2020, there's a particular show that came out, out on YouTube. And the first episode was incredibly popular that it generated about 3 million views. And the show itself, which was a limited run show itself, had over 7 or sorry, 72 million views with 2.58 million subscribers. And that show is none other than SGN, which stands for Some Good News. Some of you might be familiar or have seen some of these episodes created by John Krasinski, who is an actor and filmmaker. If I mentioned a popular show that he was a part of, you would probably quickly immediately realize who this is. But the show had what well, you would expect in a, typically, in a typical news program. You had news events, you had comical sports, comical weather forecasts, and you also had several different guests come in through each and every episode. And since we're in the holiday season, they actually, last year, the end of last year, they, they produced uh, one special holiday episode. And in that episode, they had an announcement that FedEx had donated $5 million to Toys for Tots. Praise the Lord for that. And also, they had a special guest in that episode who was Dwayne The Rock Johnson, or also known as Duanta Claus, to help deliver some good news. And in that particular episode, they had interviewed a widower, a father of two, who had put up a lot of his prized possessions out on, on eBay to try to sell and come up with some money to to buy some gifts for his children. And so they interviewed him, and they brought in Duanta Claus, and Duanta Claus, in his generosity, well, provided for this man. He said, take off all the stuff on eBay. I'll pay you whatever it's worth, and you can keep all this stuff. And by the way, we'll also pay for all your children's gifts, and plus more. Certainly a good news to that family who desperately needed some good news. And the whole idea behind the show was to deliver some good news as the world was in, in a pandemic and everyone was on lockdown. And it was a wonderful show, a great show, family-friendly show, always delivers some really, really good news. But the thing about good news is that good news can quickly become old news. Maybe after a day, after two days, after a week, maybe some good news can last a few months, but eventually the good news loses its excitement. Now, while we may remember the good news and we might still be in a state of gratitude depending on the good news, even if it's, we're thinking about it years after we received the good news, the thing about good news, again, is that it is old. It was in the past. Very few good news is life-altering and life-transforming. Very few events in the world that were good news at the time have become something that's commemorated and celebrated on a regular basis. We are in the holiday season, obviously. I was thinking about giving and receiving, purchasing, celebration, good food, good family, good company. But most of all, this is about the celebration of the good news, the greatest news of the world, and that is the birth of Jesus Christ. And so that is our focus this morning, but we're specifically focusing on the announcement and everything that's coming that surrounds this announcement of the Savior's birth. 
And we'll conclude with sort of the appropriate response today to this good news. But first, let's take a look at the nature of this announcement that we read here in Luke chapter 2. But I want to take it back to to chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So in Luke 2, verse 1, it tells us, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now imagine with me if this was how the book of Luke started out. If we didn't have any of the content that came before Luke chapter 2, and this was just how it began, I'm under how you might receive this news. I mean... Conceiving and birthing itself is a miracle. It is something wonderful to be celebrated. And yet, it is something that happens on a regular basis, praise the Lord. But it is something that we are used to seeing and hearing about. And when we read this short narrative concerning the birth of a son, just taking it at face value, there's there's really nothing particularly different there. There's nothing exciting there, obviously with the exception of the birth, but there's nothing different there. In that sense, it's sort of a regular occurrence. Even what becomes, what is extraordinary becomes ordinary through repetition, something that you come to expect. You know, and sometimes, maybe for you, as you think about the holiday season, it seems, might seem just a, sort of a regular day or a regular holiday. Or I wonder how you consider the birth of Christ during this Advent season. Do you perhaps think of it as something just another day? Something ordinary? Something that which is, well, becomes repetitive year after year after year? Maybe once was once exciting, but not exciting, all that exciting anymore. And yet, at the same time, many of us might anticipate the holidays, the receiving, the giving of gifts, time with family, time with friends. But that excitement at times might pale in comparison to the excitement that we perhaps should have as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ and what it means for the world. That we might take chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and sort of the ordinariness of that narrative and that it would be our similar attitude to the Advent season. Perhaps even to the point where the Advent or the birth of Christ is sort of an afterthought. Maybe we'll celebrate that after the holiday is over. Maybe even before, maybe after, but not during. Such a seemingly ordinary event. But there's a lot of content that came before it. 
And then even then, it's still kind of perplexing because it's still so ordinary, given everything that came before. I mean, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it tells us, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what, was, what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So we have that, this prophetic announcement, this miracle that is given to Mary, that she will conceive and bear a son. Not only that, but you have other events happening as well. If you look at the other narratives in the Gospels, in the birth narrative, right, you read that there was also other things that, the, that this angel said to Mary, that you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And you have the events surrounding Zechariah, who was the priest in the temple of the Lord, and an angel appearing to him in the temple and telling him that his wife, who was bearing, who was beyond childbearing, will give birth to a son, and his name shall be John, and he shall prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. And Zechariah didn't believe, and so he became mute until his son was born. You have that incredible event, and you have Mary visiting Elizabeth, the, the wife of Zechariah. And at that time already, the baby in her womb was filled with the Holy Spirit and recognized the baby in Mary's womb, another miraculous event. And then you have Mary's Magnificat, where she blesses and praises the Lord and who has looked favorably upon her, and how the Lord also will, has brought a Redeemer to God's people. And then you have Zechariah's prophecy shortly following that, who basically says some of the same things, that a Redeemer has come, that a Savior of the world has come. So you have all of these things happening before the seemingly ordinary event in chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and Mary giving birth to the Son. And so giving all this content that comes before the birth of Jesus, you might have expected a grand entrance. Lights, sounds, to the degree that we might even see during the holiday season. We might anticipate a, a spectacular announcement given to the entire world. And instead, what we are left with is, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And that was it. Given all that that happened before, some might even be left wondering, sort of with a feeling of being let down, perhaps. Right? I'm sure we've all experienced being let down before, maybe something that was hyped up, something we looked forward to, to seeing or experiencing, and then we go through it, and it's like, that really wasn't anywhere near what I expected. We might have expected a grand entrance something spectacular, and if that was the case, then you might be let down. Which might then only add to the feelings of ordinariness surrounding the holiday season. But thank the Lord 
for verses 8 through 14. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 2, we have this grand proclamation that tells us in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you news, good news, of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Again, we have such an ordinary telling of this birth, and yet what we also see is this great joy and celebration in the heavens. It's like the heavens themselves are torn open, and then these shepherds are able to see something that is happening that no person could see with their natural eyes. They get a glimpse into this heavenly choir. And if you had then expected that there'd be some grand announcement, some grand proclamation of the Savior's birth, if you had only, if you continue just to read down through the narrative and get to chapter 8, your expectation would be met and even exceeded. So what we have is a choir of angels celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Nowhere else do you see this in other narratives in the Gospels surrounding the birth of Christ. Without it, right, we might be disappointed. We might be tended, tempted to treat it trivially. But let the choir of angels and the worship of God remind you of the importance of this event. The angels were rejoicing. They were singing, praise the Lord, praise God in the highest. There may not have been a grand announcement given to the world. There wasn't this incredible light shining from heaven to show the world that something miraculous has happened. But this is written for us so that we might be reminded of how spectacular the birth of Christ is. What appeared to be an ordinary birth, what we see is not ordinary at all. But it's actually spectacular in its scope and its breadth, not only include the celebration of men, but the celebration of angels as well. And if the angels themselves worship and praise the Lord for this miraculous event, how much more should the children of God celebrate and rejoice this miraculous event every single year? So having then considered the nature of this announcement, let's consider the object of this announcement and the events surrounding the announcement. The first object of this event is God himself. It tells us the angels worship. It said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among with those whom, with whom he is pleased. So we see that this is just an announcement. It wasn't just an announcement accompanied by angelic worship. 
they were not there to bear witness to the announcements, but they were there to show the great celebration of heaven. And these shepherds were invited to partake of the celebration as well. Now, why do they praise the Lord? Might be an obvious question, but bear with me for a moment as we answer this question. Why do the angels of God praise the Lord? A few different reasons why they praise God. They praise God because what has been foretold has finally happened. This has been made, this announcement has been made before, long ago in the past, and the time has been fulfilled, and God has kept his word. We see in Isaiah, for example, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it, and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. They are rejoicing and worshiping God because what has been foretold has finally happened. Second, they worship God because God is the one who has made this possible. In Luke one thirty-five, it tells us, The angel answered Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. God is the one who created this miracle. And so they worship God. The angels of heaven worship the Lord because God is ultimately the object of all glory. All glory be to God. They're saying glory to God in the highest. The glory of God is the object of salvation. Jesus himself knew this and understood this and proclaimed this in John 17, 1, when he was just moments from his crucifixion, his hour of glorification. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Why was the Son given unto the world, born of a virgin, born in a manger for the glory of God? Why did the Son of God live his life? and conduct himself in his ministry, proclaiming the gospel and healing the sick for the glory of God. Why did God, why did Jesus go to the cross for the glory of God? Why did Jesus rise again from the dead to the glory of God? So, of course, the angels are worshiping God because all glory is to God. They worship because the time has been fulfilled and the Son has been born into the world to the glory of God. We see that the object of this announcement ultimately is for the glory of God. And the object of of this announcement is also towards man as well. This announcement is made to these angels. We don't know exactly who they are. All we know is that they're shepherds. But for whatever reason, they are invited to partake in the celebration of heaven. They are invited to go and behold the miracle for themselves with their own eyes. They're given this image 
of a heavenly choir. And yet we might still wonder, knowing everything that came before, knowing how miraculous and wonderful this good news is, we might still wonder why wasn't this announcement made much more public. I mean, if we think of today in a royal birth, right, there would be a town crier proclaiming the announcements of the birth of royalty. When Prince William was born, there were announcements made. There were flyers put around Buckingham Palace. Typically, when you have a royal birth, it would also be met with a, a I think it's a 42 or 41 gun salute. People would be standing outside the palace gates to hear the announcement, and once they heard it, they would all rejoice. And now with television and social media, right, of course, this news spreads throughout the world that everybody knows. One reason why this announcement isn't made so publicly so that the entire world world knows is because not many would actually receive it with joy. For example, Herod, who was jealous, angry, saw the birth of Jesus, saw the birth of this king as a threat, and wanted to kill Jesus, and ultimately had many upon many children, male children, slaughtered because he didn't want to be deposed. The religious leaders, if there's anybody who should be expecting the Savior of the world and, and, or meeting that, that, that the birth of Jesus with joy and celebration should have been the religious teachers. But even they don't even seem to, be, to care enough at least to investigate and follow the wise men and see. But it seems like they just go back home and to them as an ordinary event. Nothing to distinguish it from all other days. And here we have some shepherds. We have no idea why they were chosen to receive this amazing announcement. This probably is intended to communicate to us the pattern of how God deals with man concerning salvation, that God chooses whomever he wills. God chose Abraham, called him out of his pagan life, to be the forefather of our faith for reasons we will never know. God chose Jacob, the younger Jacob, in the womb over his older twin brother, older brother Esau, for reasons we will never know. God chose Mary and favored her, not because of anything she did, but for whatever reason, God favored her. God, for whatever reason, brought these wise men from the east to come and behold and worship the newborn king. God chooses whomever he wills, and God saves whomever he wills. But this is also written for us. This event, this narrative is written for us, not only so that we may understand and know the birth of Christ, but so that we may also join in the celebration. So that we don't allow the rush of the holidays, so that we don't allow the festivities, so that we don't allow the or permit the, the anticipation of the celebration to overshadow the celebration of our hearts that this should be towards the birth of Jesus Christ and what it means for you and me. 
This is a news that transcends time in history because it is a good news of great joy for all the world, for all time in history. So that God's people would continue to rejoice over and over and over again because of what Christ has done for us. This announcement was for the worship of God and for the sake of these shepherds who were invited to join in and also for your sake and my sake as well. The Lord means to stir us up by way of reminder of what the holiday season is truly about. Lastly, let's then talk about the content of this announcement. Well, this proclamation from heaven, the angels praise the Lord and they sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And there's a message behind the message here. They say glory to God in the highest. They're not saying glory in the highest to God, ascribe to God all glory and praise in the highest way possible, though he is deserving of that. But no, they are saying glory to God who is in the highest. And this seems to be a reference to a particular title of God that we see throughout the the Bible, a title that you don't see quite often. You see its usage mostly in the Psalms and interestingly in the book of Daniel. And that title is the Most High, that God is the Most High. For example, in Genesis 14, 22, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Psalm 47, 2. For the Lord, the most high, is to be feared a great king over all the earth. Daniel 4, 17. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. Do yourself a favor, when you get the chance, just look up the usage of most high in the Bible. It's not very many, but it reveals a great deal about the person of God. It is a title that points to God's royalty and honor that surpasses all others, that he is the ruler of all nations, that he is possessor of all things, that he is the one who deserves worship and glory and honor above all men. It's a title that sets God apart from all other people, from all other kings, from all other leaders. It points to his prestigiousness that is unsurpassable by anyone or anything. So they're ascribing glory to God, the God who is the most high, And they're worshiping him for the peace that has come on earth to those with whom God is pleased with. So what we have here is God who is the most high bringing his peace down below. Sort of coming across this vast chasm and bringing a peace to us. Bringing a gift amongst men. A gift that we would not expect somebody of so much prestige and status and honor. It points to the condescension of Jesus Christ. It's a reminder in the book of Philippians that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
that even though he was in the form of God, that even though he was God, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Taking on our likeness. That God in Christ could cross this incredible chasm to come to us. This is why Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, what king? You would never expect a king who has a son, newborn, to then be given into the world to live amongst men, to live with common man. You would never expect that. This is what God has done. Not as a form of punishment towards his son, but because he loves his son and he wants him to receive the glory and because he loves his people who are on earth and have found favor in his sight. God would send his royal son into the world, born of a virgin, to live as one of us, to go through the trials that we experience, to experience the sufferings that we endure, to experience even the temptations that we are faced with, and yet without sin, in order to identify with us, in order to show that he is like us, in order that he may die for us. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is why we celebrate. God had given unto us his son. He did it for the sake of those who are favored by God. And those who are favored by God have his peace. This is the good news of peace. And this is different from our understanding of peace. When we think of peace, we think of Relational peace, peace with family members, peace with friends, peace between governments, peace between nations, peace between leaders. But that is not the kind of peace that God had intended to give to the world. But what he intended to give is a shalom kind of peace, a peace with man, a peace, excuse me, with God. A holy state of blessedness between God and man a reconciliation between God and man. That's the kind of peace that God intended to give to the world, and this is a gift, which increases the delight of this good news because it cannot be earned. It cannot be purchased. This is a comfort for anyone and everyone in the world. This is a comfort for the person who thinks that their sins are too grave, who thinks that their sins are too many, who thinks that they have done too many terrible things in the world and perhaps even estranged themselves from their family and have nobody to celebrate with this holiday season. That the good news of this gift is for them as well because it cannot be earned or purchased, but it is received freely through faith in Christ. And at the same time, it is a frightening reality to those who place their comfort and trust on their good works because this isn't a something to be earned a reward for good behavior, because if it is for good behavior, well, then bad behavior will then means that you are then de- deserving of it being taken away. And nobody wants to live with that kind of doubt to always want to, to always think about, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? But this is a gift to be received by faith. 
And how is this vertical peace with God even accomplished? It's accomplished by Jesus Christ who was born into the world and died for sin. And that is the problem that we have. We have sin that, that creates this chasm between us and God, that makes this, this, this relationship with God irreparable, irreconcilable because of our sins. And Jesus has come into the world in order to pay the debt of sin that we owe to God, to spare us from the judgment of God because of our sins. And when we place our faith and trust upon Jesus, then we are reconciled with God, forgiven of that debt of sin. And we receive this peace with God. That's why the book of Romans chapter 6 says that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift accomplished by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to be received by those who place their faith upon Jesus as the Son of God. This peace is for anyone who will receive it by faith. And that is how you know that you are favored by God. When you receive this faith, this gift by faith. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace in God is received through faith. The story of Christmas is a story about how the Most High has transcended time and space and even our sins to reconcile us to himself. It's about how the Most High has taken the initiative in establishing this peace with us. It was about the Most High absorbing the cost of this peace, and namely that is the crucifixion of his Son for us. And this peace is given whomever receives it by faith. So this is what the holiday season is truly about. So to conclude, let me give you some thoughts concerning the celebration of Christmas to the glory of God. I want to speak to a few different categories. You might fall into one or more of these categories that I'm speaking to. First category of those I want to speak to are those without peace. My hope and prayer for you, if you are here this morning, if you are watching via live stream, that if you do not have the peace of God that comes as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ, I hope that you can still have a wonderful celebration this Advent season, this holiday season. I am more especially glad that you are here to, re- to hear this good news. But my prayer and hope is that the Lord would impress upon your heart the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that you would receive this gift that comes through faith in Christ. That this is the greatest gift that you can receive during the holiday season. Many of the gifts you probably receive this morning, you'll probably end up giving to goodwill anyway. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And this is the most precious, the most spectacular gift that you will ever receive. So receive it this morning by faith in Jesus Christ. Only then will you have this peace with God. I want to speak to those this morning who may also grieve. For you, the holiday season might be a reopening of old wounds, perhaps. It might be a mix of joy and celebration with sorrow and pain and grief. 
in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 10, we sort of have these, com- these complex emotions in, in, the, in, the, in the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul writes concerning his ministry and his own life as unknown yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making money rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. I mean, how is this so? So many contradictory emotions in one single person. And yet, that is oftentimes, maybe not oftentimes, but at times in our lives in different seasons, that is our experience, isn't it? The Christian can be a a person of very complex and even conflicting emotions because that person experiences the sorrows of the present while also maintaining a a gospel-centric optimism that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are people who are constantly living in the past and the present and the future. We live in the present, and in the present we experience present sorrow, present grief, present suffering, present trials, present temptations. And even as we think through the past, and it comes to different seasons or times in the year, We sort of relive past trials, past experiences. And we sometimes look to the future and sometimes we think about the uncertainty. We might be overcome with worry and anxiety and doubt about what's coming next week, next month, next year. But we are a people of the scriptures. We are a people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we look to the past, we look at what God has done for us in Christ. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and what it has accomplished for us. And we yet rejoice in the present because we know that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we know right now, presently, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have peace with God. We have eternal life. And we also look to the future because we know that in the future, Christ will return. We will be reunited with Christ and we will have everlasting life, everlasting joy and everlasting peace, and that helps us to get through another day of trial. And so as you think about the holiday season, if you are in some measure grieving during this holiday season, look to the gospel of Jesus Christ and find hope in the gospel and find joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for you in coming into the world and dying for you so that you may have peace with God and eternal life with the Lord. Maintain and hold on to your glorified optimism, an optimism that isn't like the world, but your optimism is grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So yes, you can be sorrowful, and at the same time, you can also be rejoicing. Because you are still loved by God, protected by God, and always in God's hands. Next, speaking to those, because there may be some of you this morning, who don't particularly look forward to the holiday season. Perhaps you just don't like the holiday rush, all the travels, the plans, the the going out and purchasing and spending all this money. I remember the movie The Grinch, the Jim Carrey version, when all the people of Whoville are in the, in the store and buying all this stuff, and then the alarm bell goes off, and the sounds go off, and they're like, oh, this person has maxed out their second credit card, and everybody is rejoicing all together, right? That's 
it just makes you cringe to know how much you can actually spend during the holiday seasons and you can be really frustrated. And certainly there can be a lot of things to be frustrated about during the holiday season to the degree that you're just ready to be done with it. My encouragement to you is to not allow your frustrations about the holidays overshadow the joy of the birth of Jesus Christ. But we can become more Grinch-like and we can become much more frustrated during the holiday season when we focus on the holiday itself instead of focusing much more on what the holiday season is truly about, and that is the birth of Christ. Sure, you can do things to plan better, spend less, whatever the case may be, but why not consider making an intentional effort to reflect on the birth of Christ so that you might place your focus on something of much, something much bigger, something much greater than the lights and the sounds and the food and the company. Focus on the birth of Christ. And lastly, to those who do look forward to celebrating, whether you fall into the category of one of the others and this one, whatever the case may be, then my prayer and hope is that you will have a wonderful time. Enjoy it. Have fun. Receive give, have time, have good time with friends, family, have good food, enjoy it all. And I do pray and hope that it is a wonderful time for you. Right? Again, thinking back to the Grinch, though, not the Jim Carrey version, but the original Dr. Seuss, in my opinion, much better version. At the end of the movie, you have all the citizens come together, even all the, the decorations, the food have all been taken away, all the gifts have been taken away, and yet they still surround the tree, holding hands, and they still celebrate. And I have no idea what they're singing to, if they're singing to the tree or what else. But there's something to that, isn't there? I mean, what, how would you receive the holiday season? What would your celebration look like with, if, it wasn't, if it was without the gifts and coming together, it wasn't about the lights and the sounds and all those things that we have made it to be. It's not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but it's a question of what you find your delight and happiness in during this holiday season because it can be very easy to find your greatest delight in those things and not in the birth of Jesus Christ and what that means for your life now and unto eternity. Right, would you still celebrate and rejoice in the birth of Christ if it was without all of the other stuff? And I'm not saying that you should be making it less Christmas-like. All I'm trying to say is that your celebration, your time of rejoicing and enjoying the holiday season should be further enhanced, can be further enhanced when you reflect and rejoice first and primarily on what Christ has done for us. Because that is essentially what the holiday season is about. When we look to the gospel, when we look at the birth narrative, when we look at the manger scene, when we look at all these things that the scriptures tell us about what the birth narrative is about, what Christmas is about, we, it's an opportunity for us to rejoice and proclaim, look at what God has done for us. 
Look at what the Lord has done for us in sending His own beloved Son in order to give us peace, reconciliation, in order to give us eternal life with Him forever and ever and ever. To be reminded of the greatest gift that you already have and let that be your greatest cause of celebration this holiday season more than anything else that you might receive this year. So if you needed some good news this morning, there it is. Some good news for all of you and for many more. And with this good news in our minds and our hearts, let us celebrate the glory of God. Let us give gifts to the glory of God. Let us have meals to the glory of God. And if you should grieve, grieve the glory of God as you look to the Lord as your greatest comfort and joy as well. So during the holidays, today, tomorrow, throughout the rest of the week, even into the new year, let us rejoice the glory of God, for he has done great things for us. Father, we, we are so incredibly, incredibly grateful for what you have done for us. And Lord, it is so easy for us to be more excited about all the other things that Christmas has become. Lord, and these, many of these things are good things. They are wonderful things, things to be celebrated, things that we ought to thank you for, for your graciousness and kindness and provision. Lord, we often forget that we have within us something better and something greater than anything that we could receive during the holiday season, and that is the gift of Christ, who is our Savior. Lord, help us to rejoice in the birth of Christ. Help us to rejoice that Christ is our Savior. Lord, and as we celebrate, God, that our time of celebration whether it's on our own, perhaps, whether it's with friends or family members, whether it's here and the church, God, that however we celebrate, that it would only that would just it would be enhanced by the delight that is in our hearts, because we recognize the fact that we have been given an incredible gift through your Son Jesus. We pray that you would help our celebration this year. All to your eternal glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand and worship response to today's word. Amen. <clears throat> starlit night a king is born in Bethlehem our journey long we seek the light that leads to the hollowed manger ground 
What fear we felt in the silent age. Four hundred years can he be found? But broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hallowed manger ground. Son of God, the Son of God, here born to bleed, a crown of thorns would pierce his brow, and we beheld this offering, exalted now, the King of kings, praise God for the hallowed manger ground, amen. Father, all glory is to you. Glory to God for bringing us hope and peace through his son, Jesus Christ. God, you are now with us. What an overwhelming joy and comfort that you have brought to us, Lord, Jesus, Emmanuel, Father, may we remain in this joy and peace through faith and celebration through the Holy Spirit of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we celebrate, Lord, in this season. May we not forget the greatest gift ever given to mankind. We thank you, Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you.
upon you and give you peace. Church, God bless you. Merry Christmas.